Yo, I got this red hat on. Uh, it was given to me by guest of the show, Eugene Lawrence, uh, when he appeared months ago. And it just sat in the studio this whole time. I said, you know what? I'm going to wear it today. If you don't see, it says NRNW, which stands for Never Ran, Never Will. That's their brand. Few brothers out of Brownsville. Salute to them. That's the first time in the history of the show that a guest has brought me a gift. I, I think we should uh, make that a thing. What do you think? If you're coming on the show, if you come into the studio, bring a gift. <laughs> Let's get started, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to WBH Radio. I'm your host, William Holly. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 109. 109, man. Let's get straight to it. I want to go all in on the New York Yankees. All in on Yankee talk. Recently, I reached out to a member of the New York media and I asked if he would join me on my podcast to discuss the Bronx Bombers. He said, well, I would love to, but I want to first see how this Aaron Judge situation plays out. Uh, for those who don't know, Aaron Judge has been a right fielder for the Yankees for the last couple of years. He is now a free agent, free to sign with any team in baseball. And after that conversation, I started to pay a little bit more attention to some of the news and things that are going on. And, and th this is a real thing. You know, this, this is free agency. People are questioning, will Aaron Judge leave? You know, you hear stories. The San Francisco Giants are really interested in Aaron Judge. I'm like, wow, <laughs> people are, are, are really into this. I haven't. And let me tell you why. <laughs> let me be clear. Let me say for the record. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Judge is not going anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Judge is not leaving the New York Yankees. Let me be clear and unequivocal in my statement. He is not walking away from the New York Yankees, Yankee Stadium, the pinstripes. Now, I have had Aaron Judge on my show. I did work with the Yankees in 2017, but let me also be clear. He has not given me any inside information regarding this move. I haven't spoke to him in perhaps 18 months, two years, right? So, Will, why do you feel confident saying this? Just based off of my interactions with him and what I've seen from him from afar, I don't think he walks away from New York. And now you say why? Everybody in the world is trying to make it to New York. I don't think that's hyperbole or an exaggeration. If you're a hotshot financial analyst coming out of college, coming out of the Wharton Business School in Pennsylvania, you're trying to get to the financial capital of the world, New York. If you're an actor or an actress, you're trying to get to Broadway. If you're an entertainer, you hope to one day be able to host Saturday Night Live. Nobody leaves this place. They're all trying to get here. And Aaron Judge has hit the sporting lottery being drafted by the New York Yankees, the most iconic franchise in the sport of baseball. Not only was he drafted here, but he performed here. 2017 AL Rookie of the Year. 2022 AL most valuable player. You don't walk away from that. 
Now, you may say, yo, but Will, he's a free agent, man. You got to go after the bag. I think the Aaron Judge that I know is after something a little bit greater than the bag. He's after immortality. Something money cannot buy. And part of becoming immortal in a sport is being attached to one of the more iconic brands. You see a lot of athletes, their egos get in the way and I'm just going for the bag, the bag, the bag. They don't want to acknowledge the fact that playing in certain places, being attached to certain brands and franchises enhance your legacy. I think Aaron Judge is able to sit back and say, you know what? Rest in peace to the great Kobe Bryant. But playing for the Lakers enhanced his legend. You know, not only is it five championships, not only is it 81 uh, point performance, but he did it in front of the stars. He did it with Jack Nicholson sitting courtside, Denzel Washington, Snoop Dogg. Of course, that added value to Kobe's legacy. I think Aaron Judge is able to sit back and see that LeBron James Legacy may be a little bit tarnished because he's ping-ponging all over the country. It's Cleveland, it's Miami, it's L.A. I think Aaron Judge understands that Kevin Durant looks like a man without a country now. Like, is he an Oklahoma City Thunder? Is he a Golden State Warrior? Is he a, a Brooklyn Net? Meanwhile, Steph Curry's legacy is unblemished, untarnished. Drafted by one franchise, put that franchise on his back, and now he's a legend. And again, Judge has hit the sporting lottery being drafted by the most valuable franchise in baseball, the fourth most valuable franchise in all of the sporting world. I don't think he walks away from that to go play for the Giants. <coughs> Aaron Judge came up in the Yankee organization not too long after Derek Jeter moved on. He got to watch Jeter become an icon with his own eyes. You know, not many baseball historians will classify Derek Jeter as the greatest shortstop ever. There are players better than him, but the general public doesn't know that. Why? Because he did it here under the brightest lights. And because he did it here, he gets some added points and value. In 2017, when I worked with the Yankee organization, Derek Jeter, he was retired. And before he went to the Florida Marlins as an executive, he would host what I believe he called captain's lunch or brunch or dinner or something. And he would host some of the Yankee prospects. And I'm pretty sure that Aaron Judge was a part of some of those meetings, getting to pick the brain of Derek Jeter, getting to see the legend in the flesh I believe Aaron Judge knows that he's chasing that. And that position that Derek Jeter resides in, money can't buy it. Hell, Derek Jeter's money's no good in this city. If he calls for a restaurant reservation, they're going to find one for him. If he walks in a bar, he tries to buy a drink, somebody's going to take care for him. That's what you're after. Kanye West said that on his Drink Champs interview. Not the one that got him in trouble, the one before that. When he talked about kind of just traveling around the globe with just his little bag, he said he really didn't have a house or anything. He didn't really have any clothes or suitcase. But the goal is to do so much good in this world that 
when he walked into the Balenciaga store, the CEO just said, hey, take what you want. You Kanye West. Aaron Judge is going after that. And now that he's going up in this free agency decision, you know, I believe his ego is not going to blind him. He knows that there's value that, that, that comes with being associated with the Yankees. Does that mean he should take pennies on the dollar? Absolutely not. The Yankees better not disrespect that boy. They need to pay him in accordance to what he is has earned to, um, I guess, in line with, with his talents, warrant, right? But I don't see Aaron Judge wrestling over pennies or, or looking and walk out the door. No way. Speaking of Derek Jeter and his legend, 2017, uh, his jersey was retired at Yankee Stadium. And I was working with the organization at the time, but it was my off day. I didn't care what was going on. I went home. But I did get tickets from my guy, friend of the show, multiple-time guest, Fenton. And Fenton texted me that day. He said, well, I felt Yankee Stadium shake. I felt the foundation move when Derek Jeter walked on that field. The people went crazy. And this is Derek Jeter, a man that's in a, a suit jacket and a button-up shirt. The fans went crazy. Aaron Judge was on the field that day, and he watched that play out, and I think he wants that. I think he knows how valuable that is. I think he knows that there's not a paycheck in the world that can buy you that, and I think he knows that that only happens because it's, it's, it's Yankee Stadium and the iconic New York Yankees, the pinstripes. You don't walk away from that. So when everybody's all... I guess waiting with bated breath to see what Aaron Judge is about to do, to me, is not even a conversation. You know, LeBron James has been the architect of some of the most suspenseful free agencies in sporting history. This is the complete opposite. This is predictable. This is ordinary. This is unremarkable. He's staying here. It's his home. You don't leave. The last person to leave was Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano was a World Series champion with the New York Yankees, and then he signed... Uh, to be with Rock Nation. He brought them on as his representative. And I think Rock Nation was trying to make a big splash, get some big money. And Robinson Cano ended up signing with the Seattle Marlins. Excuse me, the Seattle Mariners. Have you heard from him since? Playing over there in relatively obscure part of the globe. The West Coast, Seattle. No stars over there, no bright lights. Let me tell you what Robinson Cano has done since he left the Yankees. He's been suspended for drugs twice. 2018, he missed 80 games. 2021, he missed the whole season, 162 games. He's played for three franchises since. The Mariners, the Mets, and the Padres. Last year, he was in the minor leagues. You don't leave New York in your prime. Many of the stadiums and arenas and professional sports are sponsored. In fact, the Miami Heat just had a little debacle on their hands. Their title sponsor, which I believe was FTX, the business went bankrupt or something. So now you just imagine you got to take all those signs down. You losing that revenue from the sponsor. You got to find somebody else to jump in. It's kind of embarrassing and it's it's ridiculous, right? 
Yankee Stadium is one of the few places in the country that there is no corporate sponsor. It's just Yankee Stadium. Why is that? Again, the brand is so dynamic, iconic, and historic. There is no corporation that is worthy of being aligned with it, having its name on an equal level as Yankee Stadium. And Aaron Judge has a piece of that stadium. In right field, he has what's called the Judges Chambers, which was actually put together in 2017. It's a little section. I think there's like some wood paneling that makes it look like a judge's courtroom. Some of the fans dress in robes and beards looking like judges. That is Aaron Judge's own section of the iconic Yankee Stadium. You do not walk away from that. The San Francisco Giants playing Oracle Park. <laughs> no history there. <laughs> Aaron Judge is trying to get to Monument Park, which is like the kind of the Yankees ring of honor in uh, center field with his plaques and different things of all the great Yankee players. He's trying to get there. I don't even know if there are similar places around the league similar to Monument Park. I'm sure there are, but they're not as well known. So-and-so's Ring of Honor and stuff. I'm, I'm, it's not Monument Park where Babe Ruth is, where Derek Jeter is, where Joe DiMaggio is, where Mickey Mantle is. You don't walk away from that. Because there is value associated with being here. I checked Forbes today. Yankees is the fourth most valuable franchise in the world. In all of sport. Football, baseball, basketball, soccer, rugby, cricket. The fourth most valuable franchise in the world. You don't walk away from that. And as a limo driver, I've driven people to Madison Square Garden to see the Knicks. They don't even know who the Knicks playing. They just want to be in Madison Square Garden. I've driven people to Yankee Stadium. They don't even know what's going on, but they know the iconic Yankee Stadium. And I'm sure there were fans that walked in there and not knowing what to expect. And then they see Aaron Judge hit a blast. And before you know it, now they're diehard Aaron Judge fans. There's value associated with being attached to this club. And in negotiations, I think he is smart enough, cagey enough, shrewd enough to understand this dynamic. And he's going to do everything in his power to stay here. If he ends up having a Matter of fact, I'm like, he's not going anywhere. He's not. <sighs> 2017, Aaron Judge broke the uh, rookie record for most home runs in the season with 52. Do you know that rookie has since that record has since been broken? And it was broken by somebody in New York. Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets in 2019 hit 53 home runs. But you probably never heard that because, again, he did it with the second great team in the city, the stepchild of the city, the Mets. And when I speak about Yankee Stadium being iconic, where do the Mets play? City Field. Corporate sponsor. Name not as pure and iconic as Yankee Stadium. They just take in the bag. Judge is after immortality. He's after something money can't buy. And again, this free agency thing, that's a big deal to everybody, not even a conversation. So I state again, there is no way that Aaron Judge walks away 
from this place. No way Aaron Judge walks away from New York City. No way Aaron Judge walks away from being a New York Yankee. I want to tell you a story about uh, me uh, sharing a book with Aaron Judge. Uh, I sent him a book. But first, I want to talk about this free agency. You know, um, again, I don't think Aaron Judge is going anywhere. Now, the question for franchises, and this is not just specific to Aaron Judge, but ar ar around the sporting world. When free agency comes about, it must be a vulnerable position trying to decide who gets the money and who doesn't. You want me to hand over $200 million, $250 million, $300 million guaranteed to an individual? That is a scary position. You could take this check and then just... Decide not to perform, put on weight, just not care. And we stuck paying you. And we've seen it in sport. Guys get the money and they're not the same person. So I understand franchises being hesitant. <clears throat> I want to talk about my research paper. And if you watch the podcast I did recently with my professor, Dr. Brian Johnson, I brought it up. And Dr. Johnson said, yo, I was just thinking about your research the day before. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, this is 18 months after I graduated. He said he was still thinking about my research paper, man. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. He said it. But um, that that was pretty cool. And I want to tell you about my research paper. I, I wrote about something called the Stockdale Paradox. And um, I discovered the Stockdale Paradox in a book that we read throughout the doctorate program. Uh, it's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And the author set out on a mission to try and find the difference between good companies and the great ones, the ones that achieve at the highest level, right? We're not talking about little bottom feeder, lowly companies. No, he's about good companies that were thriving, making money. What is the difference between them and the greatest? He tried to find the information, right? That, that small little divide. He set out on a quest to find it. And he would compare certain businesses. Uh, one of the good businesses was A&P. And one that was considered great was Kroger's. Right? Two, both of them grocery uh, food chains coming up in the same time, same climate, same environment. They're susceptible to the same external threats. How come Kroger's thrived? And A&P was just good and would ultimately go bankrupt. Uh, two other companies he compared was Walgreens. Great. Eckerd, good. And one of the qualities that he found present in all of the great businesses was the Stockdale paradox. He said it was present somewhere in their culture, in the minds of the CEO, somewhere. And the Stockdale paradox, retain faith that you will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties. And at the same time, confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And this uh, paradox was named after Jim Stockdale, who was a former prisoner of war. Right? He was a naval officer. He got captured during Vietnam, spent eight years in captivity. And the author asked him, Mr. Stockdale, how'd you survive? Stockdale said, yo, I had faith that I was going to get home. I never lost that. I had confidence. But at the same time, I was able to to confront the brutal facts of my reality. Yo, I'm in a I'm in a POW camp. It's not pretty. What do I got to do to get home? Some of the things he would do, he created a language to communicate with 
his other POWs. He would send secret messages to his wife. Came up with different tactics, right? And when I read this, I felt that that was something that I exhibit, that I believed in, right? I I wasn't able to articulate it like that, but it was something that I believed in and I believed it helped me accomplish great things in my life. You know, we go back to my career as a college basketball player. I was able to celebrate two championships. I was all conference. I was a championship game MVP. We knocked off number one team in the country, knocked off number two team in the region. I did all of that without having a high school basketball career or AAU career. And when I when I came to college, I had confidence that I can be great. But at the same time, I was able to confront the cold, hard reality of the brutal facts of my reality. You know, sometimes you didn't have a bad game. Well, why, Will? I wouldn't blame the referee. I wouldn't blame a teammate. I would look in the mirror. Dang, my left hand wasn't as strong as it should be. Dang, I need to be a better shooter. I need to be a better defender. And because of that, I felt I was able to get better each and every day, each and every day, and accomplish great things. I said, yo, this this is amazing, the Stockdale Paradox. I, I said, you know what? If this is true, I'm sure many of the greatest athletes exhibit this quality also. So I went on a quest to find it. I started with the great Michael Jordan. Now, Michael Jordan, I don't know if he had any books or anything, but I went to the guy who was in the gym with Michael Jordan throughout much of his basketball career, and that's Tim Grover. Tim Grover wrote a book called Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. And I just realized this yesterday. Good to Great by Jim Collins and Relentless by Tim Grover, the subtitle is From Good to Great. You know, I didn't I didn't realize they were just so close in nature from good to great. The common theme. And I found the Stockdale paradox present in Michael Jordan. Uh, One example, you could you could look at the beginning of his partnership with Tim Grover. Michael Jordan was already an NBA MVP when he brought Tim Grover into his life. Think about that NBA MVP. So he was considered the best player in the NBA. His. um. His uh, his personal brand with Nike is going through the roof like he's on top of the world, yet he's still looking for more. We know Michael Jordan's confidence never wavered, but he was able to confront the brutal facts of his reality. I'm an MVP, but yo, I ain't win a championship. Why I ain't win a championship? Because these uh, uh, Detroit Pistons are beating me up. So how do I get better? I need to strengthen my body. Michael Jordan didn't blame anybody else. He didn't blame his coach. He didn't blame his teammates. He he went to the brutal facts, uncomfortable facts. You ain't strong enough to take the Detroit Bad Boys Pistons beating. So at that time, Tim Grover just happened to mail a letter to every player in the Chicago Bulls locker room looking to uh, volunteer his training services. And Michael Jordan, the best player in that locker room, saw it. Said, somebody get Tim Grover in front of me. Prior to Tim Grover, Michael Jordan was working out with somebody personally, and he hurt his back. So he's a little hesitant. But again, the brutal facts, I still need to get stronger. So he told Tim Grover, you got 30 days 
to train with me, and we'll see how I go. Tim Grover said after that first day, that 30 days turned into 20 years. They never looked back. And I'm like, wow, Michael Jordan had the presence of mind to say, yo, I need to get better. And there's countless examples I go through. But I mailed this book to Aaron Judge. Because I think the Stockdale paradox and the examples that uh, are highlighted in his book, the examples with uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, because Tim Grover worked with Kobe Bryant also, I think they are present in Aaron Judge also. Go back to 2016 when Aaron Judge was a rookie. You know, 2017 was the MLB Rookie of the Year, but 2016 he got called up. And baseball is weird like that. You could come up in half of the season and still next season will be considered your rookie year. So in 2016 he came up. In 84 at-bats he struck out 42 times. Half the time he struck out. So how do you strike out in half of your at-bats? And then go on to be the rookie of the year next year. And then the 2022 AL MVP. After that offseason when he struck out half the time. At some point, it was it must have been just him alone with his thoughts. And he realized, I need to get better. He was able to be honest about his deficiencies. He didn't blame his coaches. He ain't blame the weather, the umpires, bad calls. He confronted the brutal facts of his reality. And he went to work on them. And the end result is his very next time in the MLB, the 2017 season, he became the AL Rookie of the Year. Nobody saw that coming when he struck out half the time. In 2017, I was with him. And I came back and I told y'all, that boy is out of here. He going to Cooperstown. And it wasn't about any particular skill set I saw from him because, again, I don't really know baseball. I don't know which way your hand should be when you swing the bat and how your hips should torque. I don't know any of that. What impressed me most about him was his mind. He always wanted more. He exhibited the Stockdale Paradox. He was confident and strong and believed he would be great, but he had no problem confronting the brutal facts of his realities, his strengths, his weaknesses, similar to the way Michael Jordan did in Relentless. So it's no surprise that even after having a historic season in 2017, his greatness continued. And this last year, when he was in a contract year and all the pressure was on, he made history. 62 home runs, the most ever in American League. Named American League most valuable player. I told y'all that was coming. Again, not because I know any baseball skills, but because I know his mind. He exhibits the Stockdale paradox. And because of that, he's going to always be working for more. And I bring this up to say, when organizations are looking who to pay, these are the people they should pay. 
Aaron Judge is not going to fall off the, the face of the earth. He's going to be working to get better because his goal is immortality. His goal is maximizing his potential. No different than Kobe Bean. No different than Derek Jeter. No different than Michael Jordan. No different than Tom Brady. I think I gave you the guys an example of Tom Brady for my paper when we talk about the Stockdale paradox, confidence, yet uh, the duality of having confidence, yet being able to confront the brutal facts of your reality. Tom Brady was already a multiple-time Super Bowl champion. He threw an interception on a, a game, a random game against the Jets. The Patriots would end up winning the game. Later in the week, Tom Brady calls the cornerback that accepted, intercepted the ball and asked him, hey, did I give away any signs that let you know where I was going with the ball, which enabled you to intercept it? Here is a man that is a Super Bowl champion. He won the game anyway, but still looking for more information to get better. It's no secret that these people win multiple championships and go on to greatness because their true goal is maximizing their potential. So if I'm an individual or a franchise, I'm throwing everything I got at people like this. Will Aaron Judge get older one day? Yes, but still. He's going to be the be one of the best at his age. And I go back to Michael Jordan, the Stockdale Paradox again. Michael Jordan won three championships. He retired, went to baseball. He came back and he ripped off three more championships. How do you do that when you're now older? Confidence that he was still great, but the brutal facts. He realized he was older. He couldn't really... Um, he wasn't Air Jordan anymore. He was a little bit more grounded. So what did he do? He bulked up. He put the weight on because he needed to play in the post. He needed the muscle to, to play down there and post up and bully and bang because he was no longer aerodynamic. So when everybody was saying, I wonder if, still, if Jordan still got it, he was asking himself the hardest question and was able to rip off another three-peat. So in the question of Aaron Judge, these are the guys you want to pay. And I was just scouring the books looking for any and everything that I felt was in line or uh, 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 was in line with um, the Stockdale paradox and the, the ability to challenge oneself mentally and and to look in the mirror and and be able to honestly assess one's uh, reality unbiasedly, you know. I, 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 you, and you can tell. <clears throat> I, I remember one time I was playing in uh, at Kingsborough. I think I told the story recently. I can't remember. All these podcasts are just like molding into one. We were playing a game uh, against the Red Suffolk. Came down, hit a big three, tied the game. <clears throat> we would ultimately lose. And um, when we got back to school, 
my teammate, who is the second leader scorer, who was supposed to be considered the the Robin to my Batman, right? He turns to our coach and he said, you know why we lost the game? <clears throat> the bench wasn't cheering hard enough. <clears throat> now, ladies and gentlemen, when I'm playing basketball, I can't even tell you what my bench is doing. But it was alarming because that individual played 30 minutes of basketball and the only thing he could come up with is the bench didn't cheer. So ultimately what he was saying is that he was perfect. And we know none of us are. But if you can't properly diagnose your ailments, how could you ever get better? And that's why guys like that plateau. Meanwhile, after every game, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm trying to find more information to get better. I'm embracing the brutal facts to get better. And Aaron Judge is that individual. And I found something uh, in Phil Jackson's book. Phil Jackson, a multiple-time champion with the, uh, in the NBA as a head coach, most championships of all time. I think it's 11. And, you know, his claim to fame was getting Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant really working on their mind, getting them to be leaders, getting them to uh, buy into the team aspect. And uh, just they blossomed under him. They were always looking for more. And Phil Jackson talks about the psychology of um, a psychologist called Abraham Maslow, one of the founders of humanistic psychology, who was best known for his theory of hierarchy of needs. Maslow believed that the highest human need is to achieve self-actualization, which he defined as the full use and exploitation of one's talents, capacities, and potentialities. The highest form of human need is what's called self-actualization. We got our basic needs, food, shelter, sex. The highest level of human need is self-actualization, which is maximizing one's potential. And not many people get there because they get caught on the lower rungs. And on the very next page, in his book, The Father Reaches a Human Nature, Maslow describes the key steps to attaining self-actualization. And I want you to listen to this. Uh, being honest with yourself and taking responsibility for what you say and do instead of playing games opposing. Being accountable. And another step to attaining self-actualization, identifying your ego defenses and finding the courage to give them up. Well, isn't that similar to what we talked about, the Stockdale paradox, right? Isn't that what Jim Stockdale talked about? Who didn't make it? The guys that said we'll be out by Christmas, the guys that folded their arms and put their feet up and we'll be out by Christmas. Never allowing themselves to confront the brutal facts, being blinded by their ego. And that's why I mailed my man this book and he was very thankful for it. He told me that he reads it when he gets on the plane, he rereads it. And when you talk about who to pay. He's one of them. Because he's not after any particular championship. He's not after any particular stat. What he's after is self-actualization. And that is the realization of one's full potential. 
similar to Michael Jordan, similar to Kobe Bryant, similar to Derek Jeter. They chased championship four, five, and six the same way they chased one. Why? Because they're self-actualizers. How do they get there? The Stockdale paradox, being able to assess one's reality. So those players you're worrying about plateauing, it's because they're not after that highest mark. And that's what my research paper was about when they say, yo, Will, when you talk about research, you have to act, you have to tell people what your or how your research is going to change the globe or change the world. And I said that I believe I can help franchise. If you allow me to put them through a battery of tests, so I can help with franchises identify who's going to the highest mountain and who isn't. Which player deserves a scholarship and which one doesn't? You know, my man D.A., he always, uh, <laughs> we be, we be uh, 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 having fun because I used to always get on Giancarlo Stanton. I'm like, yo, this boy don't want it. Giancarlo Stanton, who's a Yankee now. And I could tell by how uncomfortable the media made him feel after games that he had plateaued. Because he don't want to hear any negative information. He don't want to confront the, 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 the brutal facts. He's one of those, oh, the sun will come out tomorrow, guys. Never really assessing what the problems are today. Well, the problems that persist today will be pres present tomorrow if you don't address them. Not one of these, the sun will come out tomorrow, guys. The sun will come out tomorrow. No. Not one of these, will be out by Christmas, guys. No. And I want you to look at the the uh, the press conferences of guys like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. They never really made uncomfortable. Why? Because they saying even harsher stuff to themselves. You look at Aaron Judge, whether he went four for four today with two home runs or struck out four times. Same demeanor in the press conference. Accountability. Because even on his quote-unquote good days or bad days, he still hasn't reached his goal, which is maximizing one's potential. All right? So these are the guys that deserve to be paid, and Aaron Judge is tops on that list. Let me say this piece. To the self-actualizers, the real championship is you won't reach it until you go in the grave. And I consider myself one of those people. We won one championship. Let's go get the other one. A week after we won a championship, we knocked off the number one team in the country because the goal is to maximize my potential. It's not one uh, individual trophy. And I won't maximize my potential until they put me six feet under. We had Aaron Judge on the podcast. That could be considered the pinnacle. Now, nah, let's go get Skip Bayless. Oh, we have Skip Bayless. Let's go get the uh, uh, executive director of the PSAL and have him break news here. So that's my piece, man. I mailed my brother Aaron Judge a book. I know whatever decision he makes is going to be great for him and his family. Um, you've just seen the, the beginning of a historic run to Cooperstown. Because, again, the engine, the mind is what's most important. That's why you always see him come up big. He's churning and pushing for more. Uh, 
Let me see what else I have for you. Uh, let's talk some Yankees real quick. Oh, Stockdale Paradox. It's, it's not easy to do, right, to always look in the mirror. We're not always unbiased. Sometimes we need a mentor or somebody in our life to put those brutal facts in our face. And I'll give you an example. Kobe Bryant, he had lost to the Boston Celtics in the finals. and He was kind of lamenting the fact that they had so many superstars. He was like, yo, they got Kevin Garnett. They got Paul Pierce. They got Ray Allen. Like, yo, son, how, how could I ever beat them, man? This is unfair. And his mentor, his big bro, Michael Jordan, said, so? You see, Kobe was looking for ways to massage his ego. And the way he was going to do that was by explaining that, yo, no one could ever beat Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. They're just too great. Michael Jordan sent him back to the drawing board. So what? Go figure it out. And Kobe had to go back and figure it out. And then he would ultimately beat the uh, the Celtics in the finals. And... Choosing to 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 sign up or exhibit the the Stockdale paradox is not you know you you have to work at it and I, I've given Michael Jordan a lot of credit for exhibiting it but I believe right now at this stage of his life he is not. Who knows? Maybe he just don't want to go through that process anymore. Maybe he's older now and he's been insulated with his little circle, his group of yes men, his Nike executives, that he don't want to go through that process of being in the cauldron and uh, having to always assess himself and listen to criticism. Maybe he don't want to do that anymore. He older now. He a grandpa. He don't want to do that anymore. And in my paper, I highlight his relationship with Charles Barkley. They fell out when Charles Barkley criticized him publicly for his work as a general manager and owner of the Bobcats, now Hornets. Now, what Charles Barkley criticized him on, one could say he was right. Charles Barkley told Michael Jordan, you should draft Brandon Roy, not Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison can't play in the league. Michael Jordan was embarrassed and upset, and their friendship ended behind that. Michael Jordan ain't want to confront the brutal facts. You know, Brandon Roy ended up going on to be a rookie of the other year. Adam Morrison was out of the league after two or so years. So Charles Barkley was technically right, but Jordan didn't want to hear it. So in his playing career, he may have been able to confront the brutal facts and every day trying to uh, poke holes in his resume. But as an old man, maybe he no longer wants to do it. So that paradox is something that's not just always present. You got to work at it. And Michael Jordan seems to have thrown in the towel, and that's why his his organization is floundering. All right, I'm getting a little long-winded.
<clears throat> but uh, let's talk about the Yankees. Why have they not succeeded? And I brought this up when I had my friend on the show, Kyle John Kenai, when uh, in 1996, kind of like the resurgence of the Yankees when they had the call for Derek Jeter, <coughs> Jorge Posada, Mario Rivera, Andy Pettit. That GM was the first GM, the first black GM to ever win a World Series, Bob Watson. All these years, I thought it was Brian Cashman. Now, Cashman was in the organization, but he wasn't the last, the one calling the final shots. That was Bob Watson, the first black general manager to win a World Series. And that run or that resurgence was built around these four players. The core, a foundation. They weren't big names. They would ultimately become big names because they won, but they weren't high price free agents. That we were pulling from all over the league. No, it was the core. And because of that, that success was sustainable. Winning four championships in what it was, six years. Today, I don't think we do that. I think the Yankees are now just trying to buy up everybody's uh, a player. And that's not a championship resume or recipe. You have to lay a solid foundation Right now, they just go give Garrett Cole money. Garrett Cole, who used to play for the Astros, they make him the highest paid pitcher in the game. And then they just expect him to be great every day. That's not realistic. Teams win championships. Teams win championships. You can't just buy up everybody else's player. And Brian Cashman, to me, is the young rich kid that just using daddy's credit card. They don't really have a championship found anymore where are the championship pieces like Andy Pettit or Paul O'Neill who was never the most high-priced bat in the game he was just known as the warrior somebody that was tough we no longer have tough players in the Yankee organization just overpriced free agents that are looking to eat from the Yankee legacy instead of contribute to it like Giancarlo Stanton these people don't know Yankee way. What is the Yankee way? It has been torn up because you just mix in the matches pieces from all over the league. There is no core, no foundation. Yes, we got Aaron Judge. He's the star. But when I go back to those championship Yankee teams of, of my youth, it wasn't names. It was tough baseball players. I mentioned Paul O'Neill, Bernie Williams, Charlie Hayes, Mariana Duncan, Jim Layritz. Tino Martinez. If I'm the Yankees and I have the most money in baseball, I should have the best prospects. We have teams that don't have nearly the same budgets that the Yankees, like the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the St. Louis Cardinals. Every year, because they don't have as much money, they have to be very... Uh, I guess, uh, precise, or they have to put so much energy into picking the right prospects and developing those people because they are never going to win in free agency. So they put their energy into developing. If we're the Yankees and we have the best money, why don't we have the best development? Why are we not identifying these prospects at an earlier age, right? If we have all of these resources, we shouldn't have these resources to just buy up everybody else's wash player. 
When we got Garrett Cole, I said there's no way he could ever live up to that contract. It's not even fair to him. It's like buying a high-priced car. The minute you drive it off the lot, it loses value. We're no longer getting value at our positions. The Astros got value out of Garrett Cole. The Pittsburgh Pirates got value out of Garrett Cole when he came up through their organization. They got him on the upswing of his career. We're getting guys after they already reached their height, giving them top dollar and expecting them to whew, just go be great again. That's not human nature. That's not possible. And I wonder if it's time to move on from Brian Cashman. You know, Derek Jeter seemed to be able to do a good job when he was running things with the Marlins. Colin Cowherd is one of my favorite personalities on sports radio. I like when he talks about business. And one thing he always talks about with business is that second generation businesses usually fail. You know, businesses that where the son takes over for dad. And I believe the reasoning behind that is because dad was a self-made man. Dad has the, the business acumen, perhaps the fearlessness to navigate business. The offspring is the silver spoon kid. Right? He may not have the um the tools it takes to be a titan in industry or in business. Right? And although the Yankees are an iconic brand, right now they're a second generation business. They're being run by Hal Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner's son. And I just don't think this guy has what it takes. They still trying to hold on to what daddy did. But what daddy did was a generation ago. We don't know what moves dad would have made to change the organization in present day in this current climate, this environment. So how Steinbrenner is just keeping things the way they were. It might be time to move on for Cashman and bring Derek Jeter in. I don't know, man. Uh, That's WBH Radio. I'm William Holly. We out.